Welcome to Science Talk, the weekly podcast of Scientific American, posted on December 23rd, 2009. I'm Steve Mursky, and it's almost Christmas, and Karen Hopkin, our ace daily podcast reporter, has been collecting science and medicine reports related to the holidays. To get a handle on these seasonal science stories, I called Karen at her home in an undisclosed location far north of the Scientific American offices, Somerville, Massachusetts. So Merry Almost Christmas, Karen. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Ho, ho. Upcoming ho. Thank you very much. So uh, you've been collecting a few Christmas-related news stories from the world of science and medicine. Let's talk about a few of those to help prepare our listeners for the coming holiday and or family onslaught. <laughs> that sounds good. So one of the stories is, you know, families have traditions. Uh, some families, to go out and get a nice, beautiful, live, you know, tree to put in their home. It's, it looks great. It smells really good. Um, but a group of docs, uh, a group of physicians in Texas uh, warn that one in ten people is allergic to mountain cedar pollen and that it's exactly this time of the year, happy holidays, that uh, these trees are releasing uh, their pollen. So we want to make sure that if we purchase a Christmas tree, that it's not necessarily mountain cedar because one in ten people may find that oro-nasally unfathomable bubble bubble. Yeah, that sneezing, wheezing thing going on. Fortunately, if you go to one of those lots, you know, where they sell Christmas trees or wreaths, or if you even go to one of those farms where you can cut your own tree, uh, usually those are scotch pines or Douglas uh, firs, and they don't pollinate during winter. The problem is if you're one of those... Um, let's say, thrifty people who sneak out in the dead of night into the you know nearby forest uh, with a hacksaw to harvest your own holiday cheer. That's when you can run into some trouble. So stay away from the mountain cedars and basically also stay away from anybody with a hacksaw in the forest in the middle of the night. Then the only other thing you have to worry about is if you bring in anything from the outside, apparently they could harbor mold spores, in which case you'd have to get some like a uh, youth Yuletide fungicide or something. <laughs> Yuletide brand fungicide <laughs> to kill the mold spores in your life. Exactly. All right. So, so you know, stick with the Tannenbaum in a box. All right. So uh, that's one of the things that you've been following there at Christmas Science Central. Your your next little update is uh, this stuff drives me insane. And I think there was a whole episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm that was built around the impenetrable wrapping that stuff comes in now. <laughs> yes, those beloved clamshells, the molded plastic cases that uh, stand between between us and our enjoyment of our purchases and gifts. There's a there's an actual syndrome that has been that has been uh, identified by physicians. Yeah, they're calling it a uh, wrap rage, which I think is a bit of a misnomer because it's not the like the wrapping, it's the you know, it's that plastic stuff. And according to a poll uh, that folks conducted in Pennsylvania, about 17% of adults actually uh, have been injured or know someone who's been injured while opening a gift. So and, that, that's one in six Pennsylvanians. <laughs> has... And that's not just like a paper cut. That's, uh, you know, some sort of gas that requires uh, actual medical attention. Aha, uh-huh, okay. So we're talking stitches or a trip to the emergency room or something. That's bad enough to get the attention of the actual serious medical community. Yeah, the, the other funny thing was there was an article apparently in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette 
that claim that data from the Census Bureau uh, showed that twice as many people are injured by opening packages than by, say, riding on skateboards. Interesting. But we don't know about the severity of the injuries, right? That's true. But it does make me think, what if your skateboard actually came in a clamshell? Oh, that that sounds like a synergistic danger effect. Somebody is uh, thinking bad things about you if they give you that for a gift. Now, would you would you explain to me, if possible, this uh, this rage wrap story, or wrap rage, or unwrap rage, or clamshell combustibility story, is based on a study from the American Dialect Society? Uh, the American Dialect Society, I think, is the one uh, the one that named the syndrome as, as rap rate. Ah, I see. So but they it, they gave it the name, but actual actual scientists did the study. Uh, well, scientists, um, you know, doctors. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I, I see now. It was uh, something at uh, the Pennsylvania Medical Society called the Institute for Good Medicine actually performed the survey. And again, we should uh, we should point out this is a survey specific to the state of Pennsylvania. We have no data at all regarding the ability of people in Alabama or New York, California, Idaho on on their ability to safely open packages. That's correct. Either they're, you know, fine with it and nobody gets hurt or there could be fatalities in other states. I mean, we don't know. That's true. That's true. That is a good point. Pennsylvania is often thought of as a little microcosm of the whole country, I think. So uh, perhaps it, it is a, uh, a finding that can be extended. Now, the, uh, the physicians who are involved in this study have offered tips to safely open your clamshell packages. Exactly. So, so some solutions are... If you're gonna be using those kitchen shears, you know, point them away from your body and not toward anybody else's body. Um, also, I think they suggest that you can have like a whole, I guess, like package, you know, opening outfit. You, know, <laughs> you, could, you could don it would have like you know safety goggles and you know falcon handling gloves, you know, that sort of thing. And and of course the the scissors that they gave you in the third grade that won't actually cut a uh, a postcard in half. It'll keep you busy for a while, you know. And uh, I see one. Yeah, you you actually sort of covered this with your with your um, admonition to avoid pointing the scissors at anybody else. But one of their tips is avoid opening tough to open packages in a crowded area. <laughs> I that that's presumably so that you don't hurt somebody else. It also might be because somebody else might just stand there like Ralph Cramden and eventually go, "Give me that, I'll do it." <laughs> And, uh, and your whole, your, all your loved ones gather around. Closer, come closer. Go, I'm go. trying to open this thing with a with with a giant uh, knife with deadly force. <laughs> and uh, there's uh, one of the tips is also and and let me tell you this is this is dead serious. Do not use your legs to keep the product stable that you're trying to open. Just it's, those femoral arteries are right there. Seriously, don't. Literally, do not go there. So they did not include as a suggestion just to ask someone else to open your package. Now, the, the, there there is a device that you can buy specifically for opening these these uh, incredibly tough to open clamshell packages. Oh, it doesn't involve like you know 
set, you know, setting the fuse and then everyone runs to the other room. <laughs> right. You can't go back in the house for three days. There, th- this device is available. This was the plot of the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where he's having trouble with the package and he gets this device that uh, he can use to open these packages. But the device itself, of course, is in one of these packages. <laughs> so he can't get to it. So uh, anybody with HBO on demand, go find that and enjoy. Now, uh, here's an interesting study. We apparently overestimate how often we will use these holiday gifts that we so crave. I mean, the good news about that is that, I don't know, people are pretty optimistic by nature, right? So you think, well, if I, if I get that bread machine, I'll be making a fresh, delicious loaf of bread every day. Or, you know, if I re-up my gym membership, this time I'm going to use it. But, in fact, in reality, you know, uh, life rarely meets our expectations, right? So cleaning the bread machine, nobody wants to do. And, you know, going to the gym involves, uh, you know, getting up off the couch. So so forget that. <laughs> and, uh, of course, the number one use for any home stationary cycle is? Uh, clothes rack. Absolutely. There's nothing to dry your... Uh, that your your delicates that you don't want to throw in the dryer on better than the handlebars of a stationary bicycle. <laughs> so this study was actually published in a journal called Social Influence, and and they found out that oddly enough, strangers are going to be better at predicting how much you're going to use something that you get as a gift than you yourself will be. Exactly. So the way they did it, apparently, was after Thanksgiving, they gave, uh, I think, 164 participants, uh, you know, a questionnaire. Uh, it was a little survey, really. And it asked them, okay, tell us what is the item that you most uh, lust after, you know, for the holidays, and how much do you think you'd actually use it on a scale from, like, you know, once a year to, you know, three times a day or more. And in the spring, they brought all those folks back and said, okay, seriously, what actually happened with that gift? And apparently 59% of the gifts were used less often, you know, than predicted. And recipients thought they'd basically use stuff twice as much as they actually turned out to do. So at the same time, uh, the researchers showed these surveys uh, to strangers, you know, people who didn't know the folks who, who filled out these cards. And so the, the strangers, you know, looked at the surveys, saw what the gift was and how much each person how much each person predicted, you know, he or she would use that item. And I guess basically by just, you know, going, come on, let's get real and, and lowballing it, uh, the strangers were much more accurate, and they only uh, overestimated about 10% of the time. So uh, basically you should just, when you're shopping, just ask the person who happens to be next to you in the checkout line and say, am I going to actually use this? Exactly, because even if they don't know you, they know that you are not going to use that uh, waffle iron every day. You know, you just reminded me uh, because of the, uh, you know, the things like the gym membership. But there was a study that came out, um, oh, it was a while ago, uh, in the Journal of Health Communication. I'm looking it up right now. It was um, April 2000, and apparently the cigarette companies increased their advertising after the first of the year, to to try to counter your New Year's resolutions to quit. <laughs> they are evil geniuses. I see your stationary cycle, and I raise you a menthol unfiltered. 
keeping in line with this, uh, the theme of things that are bad for you, there's this piece that came out in the British Medical Journal. And we should point out that the British Medical Journal around Christmas time has a whole bunch of, uh, kind of light, kind of goofy articles that they publish, but often also with, with a, with a point to them. And, uh, so they published this, uh, kind of opinion piece by an Australian physician who says that Santa Claus is a really bad role model for, for children and adults because Santa encourages obesity, drunk driving, and risk-taking. Well, you know, Santa is like one of the most well-recognized figures, right, in, in the world. I mean, even if you don't celebrate Christmas, you've seen Santa. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's generous. There are good things about him. He's generous, right, at least once a year. And he's jolly, you know, so that's nice. Uh, but he is morbidly obese. Um, <laughs> I have to say, I was out last night looking at, uh, <clears throat> Christmas decorations, you know, in my, in my area. And, uh, I saw on one lawn, there was like a little, uh, teeter-totter, or seesaw, uh, decoration. And on one side, there was Santa. On the other side, to counter the weight of Santa, there were two polar bears and a reindeer. Wow. Yeah, Santa is going to have one of those uh, Discovery Channel specials about him. That's right, when they can't, like, get him out the door of the... <laughs> of, of the of the toy factory at the North Pole. The fire department has to break down one of the walls. Uh, exactly, so... and all the cookies that people are leaving for him really don't help, you know. Now, Santa should also probably, uh, I don't know about the... The, the species barrier here, but he should probably be uh, at, at high risk for Lyme disease. <laughs> right, ticks jumping off those deer. Well, that is another thing that the uh, the Australian guy mentioned, that, uh, you know, Santa could be like a serious uh, means of spreading infectious disease. Oh, that's true, too. He's going from house to house. He's, he's got the whole globetrotting thing going, so he could bring a pandemic, basically. And uh, plus all that, you know, uh, time spent in the mall. Santa himself takes a risk every time he breaks into somebody's house. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, this is a public health issue. That's true. I never really thought about that. Yeah, the article, uh, again, it's really a tongue-in-cheek thing, but they point out that perhaps Santa could set a better example by ditching the sled and uh, delivering the gifts on a bicycle. I think that would be really hard. I mean, maybe they could, you know, maybe you could at least, you know, drive a hybrid or something, you know. You mean half reindeer, half gasoline? Yeah, but that sled's got to be dangerous. And I think he points out in the article that, you know, one, you never see Santa wearing, like, a safety helmet. Oh, excellent point. That's an open-air vehicle. He's going at tremendous speed, and he's not wearing any head protection. Exactly. And I don't think there's, like, seatbelts in that thing either. I don't know, though. I've never been in one. You've, n- you've never been in Santa's flying sled? I get around, but, you know, not that much. Well, I've got some last-minute Christmas shopping to do, so once again, I'm going to save our quiz feature, Totally Bogus, to be released sometime after the eggnog has worn off. In the meantime, ScientificAmerican.com will continue to provide you with breaking science stories throughout the long holiday weekend, so go there and be filled with cheer. For Science Talk, the podcast of Scientific American, I'm Steve Mursky. Thanks for clicking on us. 